Hi, this is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, and with me, of course, as always, is my great producer, Ari David. Thanks so much for being here, and always a pleasure. You know, uh, I want to talk about the recent discussions about the uh, NCAA um, and the, the possible class action lawsuit brought by uh, a, um, a student athlete, football athlete, I believe. Basketball. I'm oh, sorry, basketball, right. Who uh, sought to uh, have athletes be able to be paid, student athletes. Uh, they don't have to be paid, but they could be paid if the school so desired, for example. And the school that's uh, bringing him on. Um, and the question is, is this the right thing? Is this a wrong thing to do? Um, and I wonder, uh, dear listener, what you think my good friend Ari and I think about that. Are we for that? Or are we against that? Now, I imagine that those, you know, here, here's the for argument and here's the uh, against argument. The for argument, meaning that they should be paid, is that, well, you know, the economy should uh, kind of find its own way and people should be paid for whatever. They're, they're free agents. Uh, if the school wants to pay them, then by golly, let them pay them. The um, argument against it is that uh, this is an impure situation. Uh, if, we, if we start paying student-athletes, well, then that kind of takes, defeats the whole purpose of, of student teams and everything else. And uh, it takes away the purity of the, and the nobility of the sport, and also, for that matter, takes away the education that's supposed to be obtained by way of this sport in the, in the college. Where do you think we fall on this? I, 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 I fall not only very strongly on the pro side of paying these athletes if they are willing, if the schools are willing to pay them, of course. Not only do I fall on that side, I am adamantly on that side. And so are you, Ari. Uh, well, I don't think that it should be up to if the school is willing. I think the school would have to pay them. Well, they don't have course. to. No, a school if they don't have... want to pay them, no athletes. No, I understand. But from, a, from the standpoint, it should be a bargaining uh, the debate. And, and bear with me on this. They don't have to pay any student, right? I mean, they can say, hey, student, you want to be on our team? That's fine. We right. don't have to pay you. We'll pay you your tuition if you like. Or if you want to be on the team, fine. You want to get some experience. You think you're so hot? Fine. But we're not going to pay you a dime. That's okay, too. But the, that's why I say, if the school wants to pay him to attract him to go to their school as opposed to some other school, why not? Why not? And uh, there's all sorts of reasons behind this. Um, but I'll start with a much simpler reason. It's called the law of supply and demand. Look, friends, um, before we start off with this, I want to tell you kind of a cute story. Um, I used to be general counsel for Donald Sterling, uh, who owns the Clippers, the basketball team, the Clippers. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, Ari, but I'm going to say it now. He had a very interesting interview process when he was looking for a general counsel. What did he do? Well, he had like four or five guys uh, sit all at the same time, uh, right next to each other, you know, seat side by side, four of us. And he would interview all of us at the same time. Okay, now one by one, four at a time. And then he would be done with that, and then he would go to the next round of four, four guys, next round of four guys, and so on. Not immediately one upon the other, but, but basically it was a span of over three weeks that he had literally, I think, hundreds of guys that he interviewed with. I was in the second to last group of guys. And 
the first, so he, he, he interviews these guys and I was the last of the four and he interviews the first guy. I forget his name, but we'll call him John. He says, John, tell me a little bit about yourself. And John, well, he had a very impressive background. He went to a fantastic uh, college and then he went to Harvard Law School where he was uh, president of the law review or whatever. He did this, he did that. He was just a very impressive young man. In fact, not a young man, he was a pretty seasoned man. And he also had a lot of experience in law already and um, he, he knew what he was doing. And then Sterling said to him, and uh, John, do you like basketball? And, oh, sir, uh, I got to tell you, I love basketball. I remember when the three-pointer was first introduced into the game and it really changed the game quite significantly. Anyway, he went on with that. And then uh, Sterling nodded his head, smiled, he liked it. And he went to the next guy. And he says, uh, Bob, tell me a little bit about, about you. And Bob also had an impressive resume. He went to a great school, went to Yale Law School, um, did all sorts of things as a lawyer in his, in his career. And then Sterling asked him, and basketball, you like basketball, John, uh, Bob? And Bob says, oh, sir. And then this guy tries to out-basketball the first guy. <laughs> and he talks about such and such coach, when, and, it's, and this, this is the game that's changing and the management and all that stuff. Third guy, same thing. So now it's this guy. And all the while, what am I thinking? Thinking to myself, what the hell am I going to say? I don't know a thing about basketball. <laughs> no idea. I had a decent background in terms of my, my law and, and, and what I've done in, in the, as a lawyer. But basketball? I didn't have a clue. I knew he was the owner of the Clippers. I thought that was neato. But I'm not going to be able to have So anyway, I'm, I'm just terrified of the question. And in the meantime, while I'm thinking, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? This, this third guy is talking about how he knows basketball better than the, the previous two guys. And so certainly now is done with him. And now all of a sudden he's turning to me and he has to kind of wake me up because I'm in my stupor, not knowing what I'm going to say. And he asks me about my background and I'm, I'm comfortable saying, I, you know, I went to Stanford for undergrad. I went to UCLA where I got my JD and my MBA. And I went to this great firm and that great firm and I achieved this and I started my own company. And then he says, and Barack, what are you, uh, basketball, you like basketball? And I found myself saying the following. Sir, I can't really say that I follow basketball. I see it more as a business. And that's when Sterling gave me the biggest smile ever. And I knew I was hired. <laughs> it was it. That was the answer he was looking for. I wasn't trying to do anything. I just told him the truth. I had no clue that that's what he was looking for. Um, and I was his attorney uh, for two years. It was very interesting. I got to go to all sorts of cool games. We would literally go on the, uh, on the court, uh, on the floor with, you know, the fold-out chairs where, Bill, where you see Billy Crystal, right? And I'm on the center court with Sterling. We're watching the game. We're talking business. And that's the, that was my life for two years. It was pretty cool. And I remember once I was, you know, at the time I was single. And this woman, uh, uh, we were on this match. It was J-Date. And she was telling me about how... What a great gig she has. She had, she was such and such for Fox Sports or something like that. And she told me, I bet I can get better seats than even you can, Barack. And I thought to myself, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm sitting with Sterling on the court. I think those are pretty good seats. Anyway, she didn't know. It was kind of a funny moment. Anyway, why do I bring this all up? Because... I, I do love sports. I love, if you tell me, Barack, I've got tickets to the Lakers game, I'm totally with you. I'll, I'll go. 
but I won't go out of my way to get the tickets. I, I don't think I'll even pay for tickets. But if somebody has, is a buddy of mine has it and wants to go with you know, or wants to promote you know, his business, I'll go with him. I'll enjoy the game. I'll buy the popcorn and say, what a great shot and all that stuff. And I know how the game is played, but I'm very objective about the game. It is a business. That's my point. And college ball is no less a business than professional ball is. Okay? It is exactly the same thing. Now, you may say, dear listener, oh, come on. This is, this is a Barack, I really like your other shows, but you've really lost it on this one. You've gone far too far on this. Not everything is economics, Barack. Um, you know, we, we can't destroy the purity of the college game. And, and uh, this, is, this is one thing that's sacrosanct. And I say to you in response, really? Really? You think it's not a business already? I mean, look, we talked before about all the different ways that water finds its way, right? If you regulate one thing, people will find another way to, to do it, right? So, for example, um, they, back in the 30s, they tried to, we talked about the example of back in the 30s, how they tried to cap salaries that, that employers couldn't pay above a certain amount. Yeah, wage and price controls. Right. And so what do they do in response? They say, oh, we'll give you some benefits like health uh, coverage. Boom. Suddenly, it was a, they got to compete on that. Airlines did the same thing, by the way. They, they weren't able to uh, compete on price because they were mandated prices for each, uh, uh, each uh, leg. So instead, what they did is they competed on what was known as golden toothpicks, things that didn't really matter. But nevertheless, they competed on service. And... Uh, but the same thing happens in, in college basketball. You really think that there's not any business going on there? Of course there is. And already before the podcast, I think you gave me an example of how they, they would uh, definitely exploit, and I don't mean it in a bad way necessarily, but they would exploit a particular recruit and they would get him to sign all sorts of rights ad, uh, um, you know, in, per- in perpetuity for their benefit. For all of his ancillary All his ancillary image. Yeah, his image, is that, that, that's good for shirts, it's good for mugs, it's good for video games, it's good for all these different things. And you want to tell me this is not a business? Of course it's a business. I can prove it's a business with one quick statement. Yeah. They charge for tickets. That's right. Someone's getting paid for the TV rights. Right. Advertisers advertise on the, on the TV right. show broadcast. If it wasn't a business... All those things would be free. Why isn't the advertising free for me to sell my products at the Rose Bowl? That's exactly right. It's all, it's all business, folks. And the reality is they'll find a way to make money out of it. They're making money off of these kids. And, I'm, and I, I say it seriously. They are kids. 18 to 22, 22. right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes younger. And there's an issue whether or not they even have the right to contract at a younger age. But we're not talking about that today. The point is that these are kids, and they're explo- they are exploiting them. They're already using them as a business tool. And if they, if they do not perform, they're out. They have to perform a certain level. And they're allowed to break a leg, for example, and they can, I guess, redshirt for a year, as they say. Um, but, but make no mistake, uh, they're in there because they have value to the school. And that school will give a lot of freebies uh, to that student, tuition-wise and otherwise, they are no different, my friend. None. There's no difference between that student getting free tuition and all sorts of perks to a Las Vegas casino owner who comps a very high roller, right? He'll get the the nicest suite in Las Vegas. 
uh, because this is a very high roller. This guy is going to be contributing money to the casino. By golly. They'll give him all the free tequila all, he wants. All the free. And, and, and then some. And another, I think, important point is that none of us have ever gone to a sporting event. You with Don Sterling at the courtside at the Clippers. Ever to watch a coach, a referee, the cheerleaders, or any of the other ancillary entertainments. You are at the game to watch the athletes be athletes. You're not at the game, if it's college level, to watch the athletes be students and take a test. That's right. Yeah. You don't say, well, these students are really much better than the other students. Good point. Um, it, it is about watching great basketball, and, that, and you expect them to perform. And, and just let's just let's call a spade a spade. This is a business. So now, why would it be better to pay the kids as opposed to um, telling them that, that they can't be paid? Well, because you're, really, you're actually hurting them in the end by not paying them. You're hurting the individual student, at least. These are, these are students that um, could benefit from... Uh, a, a good tuition, um, a, you know, all sorts of freebies in their life, not necessarily, but only for those four years. These students, if you pay them by contrast, they'll be able to negotiate their way back and forth. But these, some, some, some kids will make no money at all. Some kids will make a lot of money. But for those who make a lot of money, they'll be able to then, in turn, develop a future for themselves. This will be a very good thing. It's a, it's a quid pro quo for the, for the school. And the school, guess what? The schools that pay the most for the students? Get the best players. Get the best players. What's wrong with that? But, you, but, but make no mistake. Don't think for a moment that you're not in some way compensating these students. They will find a way to compensate these students. If and that's they, why you have all these scandals where they're paid under the table. That's right. They're paid effectively under the table anyway. But let's say they're not paid under the table. They, they'll find some way to compensate them. They'll say, look... You uh, go with us, and we'll create a trust in your name, whereby you will be paid millions over the next 20 years after you graduate. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But that, that's a way of compensating. And so even so the, it's, everything is, like you say, is under the table. It's all happening anyway. And, um, and it's very similar to the whole drug situation, the drug arguments that the liberals like to make, which is, well, gosh, you know, people are, are smoking dope anyway. So we might as well make it legal, right? But when it comes to college sports somehow, that's, that's when they, they're really great law enforcers, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre mentality. Now, this goes into the whole issue of liberalism and conservatism. I'm a true conservative in this way. I am objective about sports. Like I just said, that's the first thing I said. I'm able to see it as a business, like I told Don Sterling. And you need to see it as a business. If you don't see it as a business, you're going to be wasting a lot of money. And in fact, you're going to engage in a lot of corruption because the business is always there. Always. You'll be exploited, whether you realize it or not. And people from time immemorial have always exploited people who think they're getting one thing and there's not money involved on the other side. So that, that, that's true with sex. It's true with sports. And it's even true with religion. Okay. In essence, you need to pay your pastor a reasonable amount of money so that he doesn't have to do things under the table. Likewise with the judges. And, and for that matter, in the porn industry, we've, we finally learned that it's going to happen anyway. Might as well pay these people so that things are done in a clean way, relatively clean, I guess. 
and, and not as many people get hurt in the process either. I don't like the consequences of, of the porn industry, but I suppose it would be much worse if it were run underground because it's such a strong impulse. Yeah, porn, where you have industry. prohibitions in any of these areas, you wind up with chaos. What we're making the argument for is essentially get rid of the chaos, put a controlled above-board system in place where people can keep track of things. Oh, look, I, you don't even have to... Yeah, so you're, you're, it's not even controlled. It's, it's uh, just let, let the market run as it should. If, if somebody says, this kid coming out of uh, such-and-such high school in Nebraska, he's got the longest quarterback pass throw I've ever seen and most accurate I've ever seen, uh, we need to pay this kid $10 million because, you know what? Uh, you know, uh, University of Ohio is offering him $9 million. Well, we'll pay him $10 million, and we'll keep him at Stanford. Thank you very much. And uh, that's the way it's going to be. And then and the static thinkers, of course, go, $10 million for the university? $10 million of our money? We'll right. go broke. They don't realize paying that $10 million will earn them $100 million. That's right. It's a, it's a tremendous Because there's a reason the Yankees pay what they pay to their players. Right. And the board of directors basically make those, those decisions, just like they make decisions today when it comes to uh, who are we going to recruit and what sort of you know, benefits are we going to give them. And just like in your previous podcast, you talked about why movie makers hire Tom Cruise or Arnold Schwarzenegger and pay them $20 a, a picture. It's because they know the movie will make $500 million. That's right. $20 million, yeah. It, it, it's an investment, and you, you have to think this way. Look, when I was at, uh, in college, I, I took a couple of classes uh, kind of on this issue. Uh, not college ball, but it applies equally to college ball. It was more about professional uh, football and particularly professional um, uh, basketball. No, it was professional football. And they talked about the dearth of games in, in football. Uh, back then, and still to some extent today, there, was, there, there were very few games played per season. And, and all the, game, the stadiums were all full and everything else. And, and essentially, these leagues are monopolies. That's really what they are. They're de facto monopolies. Yeah, Major League Baseball is famous for being the first trust given an antitrust exemption. Right, right. And uh, why should it be so? Why, why, why don't we let the market just run free on this? Well, you'll have all these crazy basketball games and baseball games all over the place and stadiums built up. No, you won't. You'll have just as many uh, stadiums built up as you have, uh, uh, I don't know, um, construction buildings built up. I mean, there's a demand for everything, folks. Um, and at some point, there are, if there are too many people in the market, people won't be in that market anymore. That's some the way teams it works. will fold. Some teams in will fold. In the past, teams folded. League goes on. That's right. Um, I mean, it's the same argument you can make with the airlines, right? Oh, gosh, if you let anyone into the airline system, then they'll, everyone will, there will be too many airplanes in the sky, and it'll be, it'll be so congested. Well, no, because there's only so much demand. Uh, for um, air, air, airplanes. Yeah, and you mean airlines aren't flying empty planes in the air, just some yeah, birds of gas? for some reason, yeah. So that's the way it works. And um, they, they fail. And I loved that argument. I thought that was a very interesting thing. Again, I loved sports, but I was very objective about it. And it, it made imminent sense to me that these were, in fact, monopolies. And the professor, he brought that particular chapter toward the end of the semester. After all the other industries that he would talk about, um, and, and all the students who were economics majors would nod their head and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and, 
and we, we need to deregulate the telephone industry. We need to deregulate the airline industry and all that stuff. But then it came to football and people just shook their heads and said, nope, can't, can't be that way. That's just wrong. It's wrong. But it's only wrong, I put that in, in quotes, because uh, they had the sense. It, it, it's, all, it's all that they knew. They only knew their league. Static thinking. It was static thinking. And also, they couldn't imagine a world beyond it. That's also, all. it brings up a very interesting point that we've talked about many times on many subjects, which has to do with the religious fervor of the leftist. Yeah. Those of us on the right, right or I should say conservatives, uh, we worship God. We believe in God. So there's a moderation in our idolatry in all other things. A sports idol to us does not receive blanket worship like one might be vulnerable to giving if they don't have a place to put their uh, human need to worship. And as a result, their thinking gets clouded, and then they make an emotion, if you will, quasi-religious decision right. with the, the zealotry of a religious zealot rather than the reason of a businessman when it comes to a, a, an area of subject matter in which the same rules apply to any business. You don't make uh, questions about Budweiser with those kind of religious kind of fervor yeah, exactly emotions right. like you do about yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, well, um, if, you, if you made the same, I like that, that you brought up the example of beer, for example. People are very loyal to their beers, but you wouldn't, even a beer, somebody who's loyal with beer, would never say, well, there should only be so many beers uh, in, in the market, right? I mean, it's wrong to have, uh, you know, a, a 26 uh, brand of beer beyond Miller's and Coors and Budweiser and all those others. They, they they understand that that would be wrong, but when it comes to sports and other things that they just they can't kind of wrap their mind around it. Look, the fact is, if you were to go to any sporting event, I'm not talking about the Super Bowl, although I'll There's get there. There's just your average regular season game for any sport. Right, it's obscenely expensive, right? I mean, people will still pay for it. I understand that, but likewise, um, if if there were only let's say a hundred airplanes in all of America, right? And with the same airplanes that we now fly, the 747s and 707s and all those things, but there are a hundred of them. Government mandated, only a hundred can only exist. Guess what? The price of each seat will skyrocket. And they'll always be full. And you can say, ah, oh, they're always full. So it must be okay. They must be. And frankly, you can even go even higher than that price. You can probably charge what would have previously been a 400 round trip, $400 round trip fare, you can charge, you know, sixteen thousand for that same round trip fare because there are only a hundred friggin' planes on the on board. Well, likewise with uh, the professional, and for that matter, um, a college ball. These are very expensive seats because there's a limited supply. Why should it be so? Why should it be so? If 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 somebody really wants to get into the soup and wants to make a little bit of money, why not make it? Uh, you know, a league that anyone can join, and whoever's the best, well, they are the best. That's it. And you can have your own little uh, wonderful um, Super Bowl, as it were, of, of your particular league. Just open it up. Or for that matter, open it up to any other team that wants to join the NFL. They shouldn't have to, to uh, what's it, uh, kiss the, the, the ring. Yeah, be approved for a franchise. That's right, for franchise. What is that all about? It, it, you know, just let them play. And if they don't want to play, well, then they don't have to play. Well, granted, though, as a drilling down a little bit more into the sports technical 
requirements or realities. There is only a limited number of high-quality athletes of major league specifications at any one time. And every time they add another league, the quality of the game drops for that so? particular um, uh, uh, team so that the demand to watch that team falters. So that's the only thing economically that's preventing the league from expanding to 200, 400, 1,000 teams. I, I agree. So, I, I agree. So, and, and because, as in the previous podcast, we talked about that show business has a business to it, and the business is the show. If the show is bad, then there's no business for the show. Oh, so there, there are those economic realities that balance out how many teams in a league or whatever. The, the point I want to make, though, is... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before you go on with that, yeah. uh, th- there is such an industry already uh, where they make a, such a proliferation of product uh, that many of them are very bad. Um, and it's called uh, Hollywood, right? I mean, most of the movies come out, that come out are, are terrible. terrible. I mean, but... And to their credit, um, because frankly, frankly they have to, there's really no monopoly. Anyone can make a movie now and release it as an independent, and it might be picked up by a major studio. But there's no law that says you you must uh, any movie that's made or contemplated has to be licensed by this or by MGM, for example, yeah. or Sony. It, 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 they don't have that. Yeah, but if we assemble a football team, the best athletes we could pay to be on our team, and said we want to play in the NFL this year. They wouldn't let us because of the That's right, monopolistic control That's they right. have. So you see, folks, it's anti-competitive, and it's frankly anti – it's un-American. It's, un, it's, it's unwise it's all around. It's downright commie. I've always <laughs> said that about baseball in particular yeah, it's, it's, with the antitrust exemption. It's, uh, it's really an unhealthy environment, and it's, uh, it's corrupt. And, and, and by the way, if you complain, sir, about this or that baseball player getting too much money – Guess what? This is a way to resolve that problem, too. Uh, so, you know, if, if you just have a plethora of athletes, well, then, yeah, you, 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 those who are top athletes, they'll get paid the most. But they won't have this average base salary of some ridiculously high amount. That's the way we should want it, right? Why would you, you know? And, and plus, if you believe that people should be able to pursue their passions, right? And there's a demand for it. We talked about this in a previous podcast then aren't monopolies a complete violation of both those things that you, you long for? Yeah, and then the, the luxury taxes they put on certain successful franchise from paying too much so they can't uh, accumulate too much talent, minimum wages within, right. you know, for, or minimum salary, as they call it. No, so they don't call it minimum wage in <laughs> sports. Right. Yeah, jobs, you the, the, the definition. Right. And, then, and then the argument about the NCAA, though, just returning to that for yeah. a second. That's where if, we started. If we were only talking about paying the athletes for their services on the field and made TV rights or whatever, a cut of those or something or other, or the a cut of the gate fees for how, what kind of um, ticket sales uh, such and such event draws, fine. But the athletes are being screwed out of their image for life, the jerseys with their name on it, their image of them, them as particular specific players on the covers of video games, etc. meaning... The colleges are exploiting these ancillaries years after the person was a an athlete and under the uh, athletic eligibility rules of the NCAA. Right. Meaning it is outright theft these, these right. colleges they, are getting yeah, away they, with. These same colleges. Meaning they've un- – I just want to make the point real fast. And because of that, they've undermined their ability to make the moral argument about the integrity of the game. 
by that yeah, behavior. That, that's, that they certainly have because these very same people that claim to love the integrity of the sport and keep it pristine, uh, they're, the, they're the very same people that are exploiting these very young students uh, for robbing them of their own future. It's really sickening. So, uh, folks, you know, if, wherever you are on this, uh, on this equation, I hope that we've kind of turned things around a little bit for you on this. The issue is not so much about college ball. It really isn't. It's just simply an example of what happens when you claim to do something um, where you alter the economic rules of uh, supply and demand in the name of some sort of higher purpose. You know, there are very few things in life where that really should apply. Uh, very few. And whatever those few things are, you ought to look at them with a very jaundiced eye. Very, very jaundiced eye. Because one way or the other, demand will meet supply. <laughs> supply will meet demand. And if, you're, if somebody really wants that particular kid from some high school in Nebraska, and they want him to go to the University of Ohio or Michigan or wherever, uh, they're going to find a way to attract him. And then they're going to exploit him one way or the other. At least give the power back to the kid so that he can say, I'm negotiating this. I'm in my own driver's seat of my own life, and I'm not going to sell it to you just so that I can go to your school. Um, and this applies in many, many other areas, folks. Um, we'll explore a lot of those areas in the future as well. But for now, we'll sign off, I think, and call it a, a night. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. This is Baruch Lurie signing off of the Baruch Lurie Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.